Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the third episode of For Future Reference. I am Tori Taylor. And I'm Ambar Calvillo-Rivera. This podcast is all about creating a space to have real, candid conversations about the role that people play in our lives, especially the ones who lift us up in professional and personal ways and how they can make up the support structures in our lives. It's advice and food for thought that you can use now or just keep around for future reference. We have a really important episode today, something that kind of makes my stomach hurt, honestly, still. I'm still on a journey. So networking can be a weird word that can sometimes elicit a negative reaction, like a like me. stomach mm-hmm. ache with Ambar. And, you know, I think what we want to tackle today is like, how do we reclaim that word and make it fun and fulfilling and mm. more than just, you know, kind of the transactional definition that I mm-hmm. feel like some people can attach to it. And especially how do we network and build those relationships in spaces that, you know, we aren't always used to seeing ourselves. And so as we begin to move through our professional careers and our personal lives, we always get this advice to network, to build relationships. That's so much, mm. I don't know about y'all, but I used to hate that term. Um, you know, it felt transactional. It felt icky. It felt a little off-putting. And also when I started my career, I didn't know anybody. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so cool. So it's about who you know. Yeah, it's like, all right, I don't really know anybody. So like, how do I, am I just done? Mm. Is it over before it started? <laughs> well, yes. There are a lot of reasons why I agree that sometimes that word feels icky and, you know, off-putting. You know, I was I was on LinkedIn the other day because that's a, that's a, sometimes a thing I, on I, it. <laughs> I do in my spare time. <laughs> um, but there was this recent survey by a performance manager at LinkedIn that said, 85% of jobs are actually filled through networking. Oh. Um, and that employers solely rely on networking versus, you know, regular online applications or in-the-door applications. Um, and, you know, they're relying on spreading the word through people that they know to mm. recruit jobs mm-hmm. and help them fill them. And, you know, I feel like those, one, that stat is overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it could put so much pressure on folks to build in networking to already super busy schedules and, you know, thinking about how to move your career to the next level. If 85% of that is dependent on who, you know, Mm. and making sure you're always networking, Mm -hmm. just like, wow, like that, that almost feels like a full-time job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that part of the journey that I've been on and I, you know, I, I wanted to unpack why I was so uncomfortable with the idea of networking. And part of it is fear. 
you know, if you think of like a traditional or like, you know, when you first think of like, if someone says, let's go to this like networking thing, right? What do you see? <laughs> you know, sort of like some sort of cocktail thing. There's a bunch of strangers in the room and you know, everyone's got like a glass of wine, but usually people go in little groups, right? So yeah. if you don't know anyone and you walk into a room, the first thing you think of is like, here's a room full of strangers that now I have to like go and talk to. And so there is this like part of like, fear of putting yourself out there it means being a little bit like vulnerable right you are vulnerable in that moment you don't know people in the whole point of most networking events or style of, of sort of gatherings is for you to meet people you don't know and so for me especially growing up professionally here in dc when i was but a young <laughs> a young sprout, young sprout. <laughs> There was, you know, obviously there was, like you said, there was a lot of value placed on or emphasis on who you knew. And so going into spaces where I didn't know these folks that, you know, I should know, I guess, made me feel extra vulnerable. And then I think part of it is also what you mentioned, which is that I had this assumption or there was this notion that everyone that was looking to network was out for something. Mm. And you know, I think starting off in your career, you feel like, do I have something to offer in exchange, right? Or, you know, what if I, you know, I grew up, maybe this is cultural, you know, my dad's an immigrant, my mom is um, a daughter of immigrants. And like, we were always brought up with like, you just don't ask for things. Like, I never even asked things of my parents. Like, I never asked them for anything. I never asked anyone into grow thinking that that is sort of what is the expectation of either you go to ask for a job or you go to ask for this made me feel naturally uncomfortable mm, but that's a good point I was thinking about sort of this turning point for me of when I started someone forced me to think about it differently I was in an event in Las Vegas a couple of years ago and I was there was a ton of it was for a conference or there was a ton of these like sort of off the not on the agenda you know networking oh, yeah. events you know so those that's, that's where it happens that's that's where it happens <laughs> it's not that's, on the agenda <laughs> it's not on the agenda it's like these are people rent like um rooms fancy rooms and then they host like these networking events that you have to be like, you know, someone knows someone and they bring you along. And for, for the most of the, for the most part, I was like in a corner not talking to people and I felt super uncomfortable and I hated being there. And so then I met up with someone who's just absolutely amazing. Her name's Dr. Diz Fernandez and she's one of my mentors. So I caught up with her because she lives there now. And so I was telling her how uncomfortable I was and, you know, how, oh, like I hate these things. And she looked at me like, you know, she really, part of it is like you need people to check you a little bit. Yeah. And she looked at me that's crazy. What are you doing? Yeah. Get a cocktail. Get over it. <laughs> Get a cocktail. And the way she talked about it is like, at the end of the day, these are people. Like, yeah. they're people like you. All of the, most of the people there, they're for the conference. So they're, she's like, think of like things that actually are similar, right? Because you're also seeing them as like different than you. They're all away from home. They're all probably missing like their family. They're here for something that you're interested in because it's, you're all at the same conference. She's like, so... Talk to them about that, right? Like, if you feel weird because, you know, you, you, like, miss your partner, just, like, see what else people are here for. Why, why, why are they leaving their home to spend, like, a week at this conference? And so I just, it felt, it gave me relief, but it was also an invitation for me to be authentic and genuine and not even think about, like, oh, I have something to ask. You yeah. know, I need to ask them for something or they're going to ask me for something. What if I don't have it? It's, like, we're just people. And, like, yeah. go say hi to someone. And it just totally like it was it really, really changed uh, my perspective on it. I love that. I mean, it's, it's such a it's such a good best practices, you know, no matter how 
crazed or vulnerable or scared that we feel at these events, there's a good chance that probably a lot of people in the room with us feel the exact same way. I've had some bad experiences doing that. And Where I, you you go around like trying to meet everyone. Yeah. Give a, yeah. Really? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, people people react in weird ways. And I remember one of the actually one of the first times I did that, I um was in college and I took a trip to DC to look at graduate schools. Hmm. And I was at a reception for one of the graduate schools that I was looking at. When I was in college, I had a pretty intense Southern accent. I've lost a good chunk of it while I'm up here, sadly. (laughs) Um, But I had a pretty intense Southern accent. I was at one of these receptions for this graduate school, and I went up to talk to a professor in one of the departments that I was thinking about applying in. And I started chatting with him, and he immediately interrupted me. And he was just like, where are you from? And I was like, well, I'm from North Carolina. And he was just like, yeah, your accent makes you sound really uneducated. You should... (gasps) You should fix that. (laughs) And, you know, 19-year-old Tori, who had just taken, like, this leap to go and, you know, try to meet these people and, like, build relationships, I was, like, obviously so embarrassed and also just kind of, like, screw you, man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it was a great example of, you know, how sometimes you can get advice like that and all have a really awkward and weird experience. and. You know, obviously, I didn't want to go do that anymore. But eventually, you know, I went, I got back out there and like, you know, one. So it it was a good lesson of like how one bad experience with something like this doesn't have to define how yeah. you build relationships or network forever. Because there can be some bad apples in the bunch that react weird or aren't that helpful or kind of rude. Um, but so I think it's important to not to learn how to network and learn how to build these relationships and also you know, learn how to be confident in your process and how you do it. So our first guest today, we are talking with Michelle Stevenson, who is currently the chief revenue officer at a major tech company called NGP Van. And she has built an incredible career. And she's one of those folks that truly just strikes you as knowing everybody. She's the first person to ask a stranger or a new person in her office to coffee, to give advice to women figuring out their career path. Um, And she's always down to just reach out and build a relationship and, you know, figure out how to stay in touch with folks. I think she's great at not only building the relationships, but one of the most important things that we'll talk about on this this podcast about the season is you have to build it, but you also have to maintain the relationship. And Michelle is great at that. So we're really excited to dig into her and kind of her process on how she uh, has built this incredible network of amazing people and what advice she has for others who want to step up their networking game or tweak it, refine it, whatever works for you. So I think to start with, like, would love just to learn a little bit about, you know, why you think it's important to have a network and a little bit of your process when you think about building that those relationships and that support structure. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that I learned really early on and I, it wasn't intentional. It just happened that the first couple positions that I was able to get um, were because somebody had essentially opened the door for me, right? I had built a relationship with somebody who my friend was actually dog sitting for in college. And she was like, you really have to meet this woman. She's so great. She reminds me of you. And she had worked in politics. And even though I was on this path for social work or becoming a human rights lawyer, right? Um, she was like, you really need to meet her. So do you want to dog sit for her one weekend? (laughs) 
when I'm gone. And I was like, yeah, I'll totally do that. Make money and meet this great woman. And so, but needless to say, she had built a lot of, you know, nonpartisan relationships across Michigan government where I'm from. And so she then introduced me to women who ran um, the Women's Commission within the Civil Rights um, uh, Department at the Michigan, you know, Capitol. And those women then introduced me to the people at Emily's List and encouraged me to apply for a job at Emily's List and also were references there. And so at a really, really young age, I had seen the fruits of just people being nice and having those connections and building those relationships, doing a good job when you work for those people and or, you know, um, coming through and, and just having friendships with them. And they were, they just did it. Right. And I was like, wow. And looking at some of my peers and how they were applying to jobs and maybe struggling or doing it sort of on paper, I thought, I feel like I like cheated here. You know, it's like I hop skipped a whole bunch of people. And it was just because I, you know, put myself out there and said, Hey, can I, can I pick your brain and walk your dog? Right. And, (laughs) and so that was, that was really sort of the impetus for, for me learning networking from, from the get go. And, um, as a result of it, I kind of carried that with my, you know, sort of professional being throughout the years. Totally, totally. And so do you, do you credit kind of the secret sauce of figuring that out to, you know, a strategy of kindness and being nice and putting yourself out there? Are there any other nuggets that, you really thought were successful traits of how you were able to, to start that building process? Yeah. I mean, I do think a lot of it is um, one of the things that I've seen where I've invested more in people who I've mentored, right, are the people who when I say – when they say, hey, can you help me with X, Y, Z? And I say, absolutely. And then I do those things for them that they actually follow through. And then there's gratitude on the other side of it, right? Mm-hmm. When they are thankful and you also get to see them grow – that from the other side of the aisle, I feel like that has always inspired me to want to do more, both for them as well as other people, because it is really, you know, it feels great. It feels great to help people and especially, you know, people who I think may not have a built-in network because their families are rich or they're well-connected. Those are the people that I actually want to help the most because that's kind of where I came from, right? Like my my parents don't work in this industry that I'm in. And so, um, I didn't necessarily have those sort of built-in structures that I think a lot of other folks do. And, and so wherever I can be helpful, I've wanted to do that. Totally. Totally. I think, I think that's great advice. And, you know, as you built your network along the way, what, what are some roadblocks? Like what are some of the hard parts that you have come into contact with that have felt like obstacles or, you know, maybe made you question some of the processes that you used? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, being in D.C. in your 20s, I feel like is like in and of itself. Networking in this town is is wild. I feel like especially pre like Me Too era, I was thinking about this before about like, you know, what were some of the things that I experienced when I was like really early in my career? And uh, the thing that, you know, aside from like the really crappy Chardonnay that you drink every single happy hour that you go to, <laughs> right? Um, I always tease people now that I'm like, do throw events for us. I'm like, if you put white wine on the menu and you only serve a Riesling and a Chardonnay, you were getting fired, you know? So like, don't do that to me. Um, but seriously, like, I think that before the Me Too era in particular, and maybe I don't experience this much as much because I'm now in my 30s, right? And I'm a little bit more well-known. But I think in my younger years, 
networking in DC and like the confusion that people have between, am I being friendly or am I like actually like trying to get a date here? Am I Mm. asking you for coffee because I'm trying to build a relationship with you that's professional Mm. versus confusing that or taking advantage of that, right? Like I won't tell those stories on this podcast, but like Man, I have a lot of them and I know a lot of other people do. And I think that um, that was the hardest part was like, how do you set those boundaries? Make sure that those people, especially men, take you seriously and that the women that see you networking also know that that's the professional line that you're setting because like, you know, you don't want them to have a poor perception of you and then that hurts you when you're trying to network with them. And so I feel like honestly, like a lot of self-reflection, but also thinking a lot about how I was carrying myself at different events or engaging in, with different people and getting to know them. Like I became more and more careful about that as I got older because I, I, it was like stepping into this like unknown. Um, and I think that that's really challenging. I work obviously um, with a lot of younger women in sales and men too, right? Where I, just, I don't envy having to go through that all over again. It is a really, really, really tough thing to, to learn how to navigate. What are there any best practices or things that you know you deployed when you were in those situations that you felt like were particularly helpful um, to either like de-escalating some of those mm-hmm. odd situations or to avoiding them altogether that maybe people can pick up now? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, probably my best tactic in this, I think, is a dual tactic both for you know the awkwardness of networking in general, especially at events when you might go to an event and not know anyone else in the room um, or only know one person and it's your coworker who you don't know well and you don't want to be like hanging onto their side. But it's the buddy system, to be quite frank. Like when you go to an event and you have a friend there, right, it is so much easier to network in general and have more genuine conversations and just kind of be more collegial with other people and not feel like you're this like loner in the room who like has no one to talk to, right? Um, you can just get into more natural conversations and get to know people because they know someone who's introducing you and you know someone you're introducing them to. And so I think that that is super, super helpful. I also think that in that buddy system, particularly in those situations that I was referencing, that person is looking out for you and that person is able to see that you're stuck in a corner and that it doesn't it doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. And you, they can tell that you're uncomfortable and they can come and be like, hey, there's someone I need you to meet. And then I can't tell you how many times I did that, right? <laughs> Either for a friend or someone else did that for me. And so I hate that that's the situation, but I do think that that actually has been super helpful. But it also has, again, that, that dual role of just making network feel a little bit more comfortable and honestly fun. Like I had a lot of really great evenings and a lot of great afternoon lunches, right? with people because I was doing it with somebody I liked, right? And mm-hmm. it was it was a fun it was a fun activity that wasn't sitting in front of my desk and I think that that, you know, can play a it's a it's beneficial. If you were going to have coffee or a drink with your mentor this week, what would you want to talk to him about? Honestly, I think at this point, I know this sounds really weird and this is probably an answer that no one else is going to give. <laughs> But I think I would ask them to just hold me accountable, to not ask them any questions about what's next because as I'm transitioning out of this current job that I've been in for 10 years and working my tail off and not taking a lot of breaks, I am forcing myself to take a break. Mm. And I think that that comes with a lot of accountability on my end, right, of not doing anything, giving mm. myself myself the, the space and the freedom to be creative and get bored 
right? The beauty that comes out of boredom is always wonderful. And I need that. And so my inclination, every fiber in my being is like, go talk to 1,500 people about what you should do next and really sort of discover that about myself when I know that the sort of chicken soup that I need right now is to do nothing and just spend time with my kiddo and, I don't know, go to the playground and go to the library and and just do nothing and get bored because I know something really great is going to come out of it. And so I think that's what I would ask them is more so like hold me accountable as opposed to like give me some sort of wisdom, you know? I love that. I think that's such a intentional and incredible thing to ask. Well, if I screw it up and I have a new job 10 weeks from now, I think you can come back and yell at me, Tori. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this podcast will hold you accountable. Hold me accountable. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thank you. Hey y'all, it's Tori. My days can be a little chaotic sometimes from taking calls while I'm walking a few blocks to my next meeting to squeezing in some errands after work or walking my dog. So whenever I choose an outfit, it better work for me all day. I need something that looks cute and is also comfortable. And who says comfy can't be work appropriate? That's why Beta Brand gets us. It wants you to look good and feel good all at the same time. Their dress pant yoga pants are ultra comfy, designed to impress, featuring wrinkle-resistant four-way stretch fabric, thoughtful details like faux zippers and belt loops, and they have an incredible selection of pants designed to fit your lifestyle so you don't have to compromise comfort while also being a boss and making moves. Millions of women agree that these are the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work. Now, you, for future reference listeners, can get yours for 20% off. Head over to betabrand.com, B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash F-F-R, all lowercase, to get 20% off your dress pant yoga pants. Our second guest for this episode is Daniela Pierre Bravo. Um, She currently lives in New York City, and she is a booking producer for MSNBC's Morning Joe. But she's also an ambassador for for the host of MSNBC's uh, Morning Joe, or co-host Mika Brzezinski. It's a platform called Know Your Value. Um, And she recently collaborated with Mika Brzezinski on a book titled Earn It, Know Your Value, and Grow Your Career in Your 20s and Beyond. And we talked about some of the themes that they jumped into in the book around networking and more. Daniela Pierre Bravo, thank you so much for being on the show. We're so excited to have you. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So we are in your, um, you know, the city that you're based in, New York City. Um, You're a booking producer for MSNBC's Morning Joe. You're also a contributor and ambassador for Mika Brzezinski's Know Your Value platform. And you recently collaborated on a book titled Earn It, Know Your Value, and Grow Your Career mm-hmm. in Your 20s and Beyond. <laughs> a theme that came up was networking, something that I don't think we get to really dissect often enough. Um, research from Harvard that was commissioned for the book highlighted that only about a third, so 35% of millennial women between 20 and 29 feel comfortable networking. 
This really resonated with me. It felt true. And I was struck by how you seem to have learned really early in your career how to make the most of a network and the value of networking. So how did this begin for you and how did you learn to approach it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's staggering, that statistic, you know. Um, one in three feel comfortable networking or making new connections. And that was one of the reasons why we dedicated a whole chapter on Mm -hmm. it because we knew that young women want tools and resources Mm -hmm. to be able to know what to say and how to command a room, everything from your presence to your eye contact, all of that is important. Um, But for me, you know, and it's tough for young women especially who don't have professional mentors. Mm -hmm or come from a community where networking is not that easy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because um, you might feel isolated to, um, you know, people in in, um, roles that are above yours. And so um, for me, I was undocumented for a long time, and I lived in the shadows Mm -hmm. um, for a big part of my life um, in a small town in Ohio. And so I became very aware emotionally um, connected to the people around me Mm. because I always try to fit the environment that I was in because I never wanted to stick out. And so networking, that's a a big part of networking is kind of um, building that emotional intelligence to read people Um, because networking, when it comes to creating new connections and a potential job opportunity down the road is important, but so much of it is about relationship building and that's really what we focus on. Um, which brings me to this point of sort of the what networking looks like within your job and your environment. So obviously building meaningful relationships at work is important and it's also fun, right? You're, there's always something new that you can learn from someone. But I've also found that, you know, even that just professional networking within your work can make people feel uncomfortable. And so I think for you, you know, what is some advice that you would give to folks um, that are maybe, you know, starting like you did as as a page in at MSNBC or as an intern? What advice would you give them to make the most out of networking within the job that they're at or the environment that they're in? Yeah. Well, I think especially for people that are starting out, um, it's so important to just take a minute and read your ecosystem, but to take the time to, you know, build the relationships around you. And I think that for a young person entering the workplace, networking is all about that. It's all about making new connections and fostering respect. Um, so for me in my in my early career, networking was actually um, – First of all, just taking a step back and understanding my environment. When I did start out at Morning Joe, it was a role where I came around high-level executives all the time and high-profile guests, whether it was entertainers or politicians or heads of state. As a coordinator for the show, I was sort of the face of the show in the mornings. Um, But you can't always stay on the sideline. So how do you take that step from, okay, learning your ecosystem and reading the cues to then, you know, building network networks um, that'll leverage your career? Because at one point, things can be transactional, right? Especially if you're trying to foster a new relationship with somebody that can take you to the next step of your career, whether it was PAs, production assistants, or interns. So it's marking yourself with a distinct sense of um, standing out in a way that 
is visible to other people because you are actually being helpful. And from there, I created this sort of culture of respect with Mika. Um, it wasn't like I wanted to network and be her best buddy because I understood that the ecosystem wasn't like that. I mean, other, you know, um, companies might have more of that casual feel, but I knew that the ecos ecosystem that I was working in called for a little bit more. Um, and so I waited two years to um, tell Mika about this platform that I wanted to create. I remember, you know, my first introduction to Mika in the hallways. I used to be an NBC page, so I would do tours and I would see Mika and I would just like fangirl. Um, for somebody like that, I, I took the small tasks really personally. <laughs> like I, I took it to heart. So my first introduction to her was backstage. Um, everybody was kind of in a frenzy because the show was about to start. And so I get into her dressing room and I'm like really excited. And she goes, are you getting my coffee in the mornings from now on? And I'm like really excited. I'm like, yes, yes, I will. And she goes, good. You better not F it up. And like everybody laughed in the, in the room, but, but you know, I could have I could have also laughed and shrugged it off. But for me, this was like, okay, this is my chance to stand out, um, knowing that I wasn't going to get coffees for, you know, the rest of my life, but that I was really going to own that specific task and like, get it the best I could every morning. Yeah, I um that reminds me, my parents growing up, they always used to tell me, like, no matter what job you have, you mm -hmm. know, try to be the best at it. So whatever stage of your career you're at, whether you are, you know, I've had a lot of serving jobs, I've had a lot of things. So whether you're cleaning tables or you're, you know, at the corner office, like, do the best job that you can where you are. Yeah, and do it with pride. Exactly. Yeah. And I wonder, is there, you know, I know you're a daughter of immigrants, you know, is there advice that they shared with you that also that you kind of kept with you in your reservoir sort of, you know, inspiration as you were going through these like grueling internships and trying to navigate your own career? You know, my parents were always working two and three jobs. So anything, whether it is, you know, writing a research paper um, or, you know, um, cleaning tables at a restaurant or um, cleaning somebody's uh, um, closet. I, I remember, I don't know why I, that specific antidote came up, but I had a family friend who wanted me to organize a closet and gave me a couple hundred bucks just so that I could help pay for school. But, you know, going back to college, it's like, I found opportunity in anything because I was undocumented. I didn't have access to any scholarships. Um, and so I literally had to look in opportunities. I, look, I looked at things that were kind of menial and saw a sense of um, opportunity. And I think that is one of the things that has really stayed with me and it's helped my career so much. Yeah, I love that being proud, you know, finding pride in everything that you do. Um, I want to shift a little bit. The The industry that you're in now, sort of media, um, still is very male-dominated. Um, and I'm really curious if in your experience you've ever, you know, we talked about this piece of observing those around you and the environment that you're in. Did you ever emulate male leadership and behavior um, that, you know, maybe made it more natural for you to build networks and progressing your career because you saw how men were doing it. Thankfully, um, at NBC News and MSNBC, we have a lot of women in leadership, um, but I know that's not the case everywhere. And I had a good starting starting point. But one of the things specifically that I um, that I notice when I'm in meetings, um, editorial meetings, is that the guys in the meeting 
don't feel like they need to, you know, put their presentation or their idea in a perfect bow. And women somehow feel that way. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had what I think are great ideas. And I'm thinking about how I'm going to say it a million times in my head. And then while I'm doing that and wasting time, you know, playing it over a million times in my head, somebody in the back of the room, which is usually a male, raises their hand and they get all the credit, right? I can't tell you how many times that's happened, but they're so direct what they want to say. Like, why can't we just say what we want to say? Why do we have to always say sorry before, you know, entering somebody's office or, you know, um, kind of circling around everything, maybe possibly thought you might think this is a good idea. Just say it, be direct. And I think um, men are a little bit better uh, than us women. Well, that gets me to something that I'm really curious about, which is um, you said you waited two years to, um, you know, uh, talk to Mika about this idea that you had on the Know Your Value platform. I'm just curious how you how that happened. Like, you know, take us into be- behind the scenes. How did it look? It was a little nerve wracking because you know Mika and I, you know, worked together both on the show and then within those two years. I would um, sort of help her out um, on things outside of of the office because I maintained that respect. But usually it was like advancing her at speaking engagements and where there was other parts of her staff. Um, And so we were in South Carolina for the 2016 presidential um, race. And we were doing the show there in Charleston. And one of the staff uh, people from her core group, like her chief of staff, fell sick. And so in the middle of the show, Mika comes up to me and she goes, I need you this afternoon to staff me at an event. We ended up getting on the car ride there. I was like, okay, I'm going to approach this as I'm going to ask for her advice. So it's not like putting so much pressure on this pitch that I had. But I, I wanted her advice on this platform that I wanted to create that I called at the time Access, which is um, which was basically like this idea that I had that I wanted a community and a place for young women and men, honestly, who are um, you know in the middle of Ohio or in the middle of Kansas City or in places in small towns where they don't have professional mentors and they don't know how to get the jobs that they want in big cities. Something struck a chord in her because it wasn't that I had this idea, but that it was directly correlated with my story. And so I think that made a perfect combination of, you know, I build respect and a rapport with her. And it was something authentic that I wanted to do that spoke to not only what I wanted to do, but the reason why it was important because it was my lived narrative. And I think she saw a lot of value in that. So Tori, we're at the end of episode three, and I'm feeling really honored again to have had the opportunity to have time with these incredible women. What are you taking away with you from today's episode? Uh, so many brilliant nuggets of information that we took from, from our guests today. You know, one thing that I, that I found really interesting um, in my conversation with Michelle was the the points that she made about setting boundaries and um, carrying yourself when you are networking and building relationships. It it really made me think of so much about how our identities impact how we're perceived, you know, how we're interpreted when we're trying to network and build relationships. There are so many layers about how we carry ourselves and present ourselves, especially as women. 
Um, and some of those layers are really tough. And on top of that, just, you know, other things that you bring with you, right? And how do you show up, at, you know, in your whole self and how, you know, some people need to limit how they show up in different spaces. And that's a reality. And she talks about the boundaries, as she said. And, and I, yeah, I'm taking that, that yeah. with me as well. Yeah. Um, what about you? I, something that Daniela talked about uh, made me think about how I've often thought about networking sometimes as this like sort of quick round robin thing that happens. And I learned from hearing her talk about networking as taking the time that you need to build that relationship around you and fostering the connections. It's, it's basically positioning networking as just the way you take time to build any other relationship in your life, right? Mm -hmm. That these things don't happen in a couple of seconds over a drink at a happy hour. It's as much as you want to invest in the relationships around you and foster them, that's part of building a network versus something that you just do um, very quickly. And she says, you know, networking is about emotional intelligence. It's about yeah. reading the room and reading people. And so it just sort of evolved um, how I think about this now. I'm still learning. I really mm -hmm. appreciate it. So I think Michelle and Daniela are my personal life goals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely the same. I feel the same. Um, I hope folks listening out there got as much as we did out of today's conversations. Um, and if you didn't, we'd love to hear also. <laughs> um, but definitely send us an email at pod at wondermedianetwork.com and let us know what you thought or things that stood out of this conversation. We shared our own big takeaways, but we want to hear yours too and maybe things that we can expand on. And your feedback is really, really important to us 100 you can also find Ambar and i on twitter at at tori taylor and at Ambar jac i am also on instagram <laughs> at tori taylor 007 but Ambar is not yet so maybe you all can help me bully her into joining mm, <laughs> nice nice tori nice let's let's see what the people say let's see what the people say the verdict is still out um well we can't wait to hear from you no matter how you reach out and next week, we're so excited to talk with some really, again, incredibly successful leaders who center kindness, inclusion, and encouragement mm. in their leadership and management styles. Um, and they do this in a really beautiful way, and they're actually going to share some of the tips on how they do it and how we can all do the same. Mm. I'm excited for that conversation. Uh, so thank you all for listening today, and make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope that today has helped for now or for future reference. Hey everyone, I have to tell you about a podcast I listen to that gets me revved up every time I hear it. It's all about women rising up called Inflection Point with Lauren Schiller. If the world feels like it's dark and getting darker right now, you definitely want to listen to Inflection Point. You'll hear powerful stories about women leading the charge and taking charge and come away with expert advice and tools for how to act on the issues that matter to you at home, at work, and in the world. On Inflection Point, you'll hear conversations about rule breakers and action takers and women who inspire us all to make a difference. Every interview gives us hope, it makes us laugh, and it teaches us something new about how to create the world we want to live in. To hear how women rise up, go to Apple Podcasts or the app that you're listening on right now and subscribe to Inflection Point with Lauren Schiller.